Imagine, you're six years old. You've just helped yourself to a second bowl of Lucky Charms. You can feel the power of the sugar coursing through your veins, and it is evident that you'll be bouncing off the walls for the rest of the day. Despite this, you've planted yourself on the couch, staring motionless at the television before you, because it's Saturday, and it's time to watch cartoons. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Couch Podcast. I am your host, Thomas, and joining me are my brother, Curtis. Hello. And my best buddy, Jack. How's it going? This is the show where we talk about Saturday morning cartoons and the impacts that they have had on our lives, our memories about them, and uh, generally just going through these shows that defined our childhood. So how are you guys doing today? What have you guys been up to? Oh, you know, usual, get up, do work. Come and do uh, record this, I guess. That's it? That's your whole day? It's I mean, wake up, that's work, my day podcast. today. We'll see what tomorrow holds. Sleep? Sleep, yeah. A lot of sleep. What about you, Jack? What have you been up to? Uh, we are doing the average quarantine day, which is wake up, stress out about work, and then do nothing. <laughs> Once again, we're dating ourselves with this whole quarantine thing, but I guess that's just how it is. But you know what is dated? cartoons and that's what we're going to be talking about today the focus of today's episode is the ever classic uh scooby-doo specifically the original scooby-doo cartoon scooby-doo where are you the show debuted in september of 1969 it ran for two seasons with a total of 25 episodes additionally 16 episodes from scooby's all-stars and the scooby-doo show two later series would be marketed as the third season to the original series the show follows the adventures of a group of teenagers and their talking dog as they solve mysteries and catch bad guys each episode sees the gang arrive at some location around the world their destination also happens to be plagued by some sort of supernatural threat the gang volunteers to investigate and they split up to search for clues the monster usually causes trouble for them but eventually they find enough evidence to convince them that the creature is in fact a fake they set an overly complex trap, which never seems to work as intended. But despite this, they always manage to apprehend the monster. They amass the culprit, who is often the character who showed up earlier in the story. And it turns out they were using some sort of local legend to cover up some manner of criminal activity. And they wouldn't have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those meddling kids. The show is a hit and has spawned numerous follow-up series, spin-offs, and movies. And for over five decades, Scooby-Doo has been a household name. That is the show that we are going to be talking about today, gentlemen. And um, yeah, I guess I just want to start with, uh, would you guys remember where you first encountered uh, Scooby-Doo? I know that's kind of one of the things we all have in common is <laughs> we were at one point in our lives avid Scooby-Doo watchers. Well, uh, for me, it was pretty much just having the DVDs at home, you know, parents that had already owned them. And growing up, there was just something to pop on the TV to entertain me and my brother growing up. And of course, my grandparents, they also had a plethora of Scooby-Doo shows and uh, films to watch as well. So whenever we had sleepovers at their house, we would be watching Scooby-Doo or some other old cartoon, but 
nine times out of 10, it would be a Scooby, an episode of Scooby-Doo. So that's pretty much uh, just growing up anytime, you know, from the ages of like four to seven, you know, you always be watching that show. So wait, so you said your parents had the DVDs, like did they have it before you were born and it's just like those were their DVDs or they buy it because they have children and now they have to keep their children entertained? I'm pretty sure they owned the uh, two DV, the two season box set before we were born. Wow. It's very, it's a very old, uh, <laughs> very old box. It's a very old box. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is it a VHS or is it DVD? It's DVDs. Okay, so not that old, considering. Well, it's probably old now. Oh, well, it's old it's now like, for sure. At least, at least twenty years at this 20 point. Twenty years, yeah. So. Um. Okay. Curtis, you wanna? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think because, like, as far as I can remember, Scooby-Doo has just been there. Like, I, I really don't know where I saw it first. I definitely remember seeing it, but, like, it's always just been a staple. I don't remember when I first saw it. I'm sure that our parents, like, checked it out from the library or something like that for us, but I have no idea where I came across it. It just, it's always been there for me. So Scooby-Doo has just kind of been an eternal presence in your life. Yeah. It's just, it's always, it's just kind of like, it's like, I don't know, like the sky. It's just there. Yeah. Yeah. We, I had the grass is green, the sky is blue and there's Scooby-Doo. <laughs> That's it. That, that was my childhood. Okay. Well, I actually, if I remember correctly, I think that where Curtis, you and I first saw Scooby-Doo was actually at our cousin's house. We'd go over to our cousin's house, you know, we'd hang out. And then one day it was like sitting down, I don't know, just needing something to watch. And I guess my aunt and uncle, they're like, why don't we put on Scooby-Doo? And like my mom and dad, because Curtis and I were cowards and we still are uh, afraid of everything. Uh, they're like, Are you sure that won't be too scary? And of course, that made me immediately interested in watching whatever this forbidden um, uh, show was. And they put on Scooby-Doo. And of course, it scared me to death. But also, it was really enjoyable. So, yeah, that, that's where my first memory was. I think the first episode we ever watched had the some sort of snow monster in it. I can't be sure. That does sound right. But I know that, that like, I, I think that they still have it, my cousins. They have, yeah, like what you said, Jack, like just DVDs and sets of Scooby-Doo episodes. And yeah, that's where I remember first watching that, watching the show. And after that, you know, just immersing myself in like Scooby-Doo from like DVD and VHS rentals and all that. So that's what I remember. So why do you guys think that Scooby-Doo was such a hit in your mind? Like, why, why do you think as kids that's the show that like watch all the time? Because I mean, I know you said Jack nine times out of ten, that's what you watched, even though there were other options at your grandparents' house. Uh, I, I would think for me, it's just sort of a, it was a lot about the characters, specifically, you know, Shaggy and Scooby are uh, just classic, you know, you always know who they are, you can uh, tell just by like their silhouettes nine times out of ten, you know, so yeah. the characters really helped define what, what made that show really enjoyable, uh, especially because the formula for each episode was pretty much the same, but mm -hmm. they always put a new little spin on it and a new twist that sort of kept you coming back every time. They seemed like, you know, there's no way that this monster is uh, just another person in a mask. It, uh, it always it always ended up being the same thing, but 
every single time you just keep coming back because it's a new mystery. It's a new question. You don't know mm-hmm. who it's going to be this time. You don't know what kind of wacky hijinks Shaggy, Swoopy, and the rest of the gang are going to get up to. And I think just all that combined really made it uh, click in my young mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, the familiarity and like knowing what you're going to get every single time, I guess that does help. I mean, nowadays you think, oh, if it's the same show every time, wouldn't that get boring? But I guess back in the day, having that sort of, um, yeah, just having a formula that you, that you, that's like, yeah, like, you know what you're going to get every single time. And if you like it, you don't care because it's just the same thing every time. Same thing, but different. I mean, that's what a lot of kids shows are, though. They're formulas. Yeah, that's I think it's because, one, it makes it easier to market because, like, you hear Scooby-Doo, you know what that is. It's, they're solving a mystery and there's a monster of some sort but also um it helps because then you don't have to there's no interconnecting story and you don't have to watch them you can watch any episode and know what you're getting yeah just yeah i mean what you were saying curtis about it works when you're a kid because like i don't know i feel like as kids we're not really paying attention as much to the quality of a show i think a lot of kids shows prove that as we'll get to later in this series yeah i agree that the formula is one of the draws of the series but um i think for me one of the things that kept me coming back was the mystery portion and i think still to this day that's kind of been it because like i'm just i love mysteries but moreover i love supernatural mysteries and more than that i love supernatural things being made like i like faked supernatural mysteries you know kind of like a magic show like you know it's not real but it looks real and so i think that's what really drew me to scooby-doo well i mean yeah i mean that's that's it like i think that um having that sort of mystical like you know mysterious quality to it and then figure finding out that how the kind of the magic trick is done i think was a huge draw for me as a kid even when the trick was um less than realistic yes that's true um but yeah i think that's what kind of drew me to to it as a kid and then like jack was saying the characters and stuff like that's always fun but i think it was for me it was always the monster and like the locations because they were always going to cool places they're like going to Loch Ness, japan it's like i'm not going there as a kid i'm stuck in my i'm in my house so yeah, that's kind of what Scooby-Doo was like at the time. What do we think of it today? It's a lot uh, funnier for different reasons it is. today. That it is. is. And just seeing 70s and late 60s era animation now, you know, not so stellar it is compared to today's standards. Yeah. Where I mean, people's like... just like facial expressions are all over the place and colors on the walls change between <laughs> frames and things like that you really start to look at it from a, an adult's eyes the uh, you start to see more of the cracks but in a way that sort of makes it more enjoyable you can yeah. sort of point out those little things and adds another layer to the mystery story that you're already looking at so mm-hmm. no i still i still very much enjoy those old episodes because you know they're classics seen them a hundred times each but uh even now today, they, they sort of give you something new to yeah. watch as well. 
Yeah, they're not so much good good because they're good, but they're good because they're not good. Exactly. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, I have to agree. Like rewatching some of the episodes, it's like Fred's face like doesn't look like a face and like some of the facial expressions just look downright strange and like inhuman. Someone's hand will just be kind of, I don't know, doing something weird in the background. But I guess that's what you get when you have like animation from the 60s. And like, I bet kids today don't notice that. Like, even if you showed this to like a child, I mean, we notice it, obviously. But if you showed that stuff to a child today, they probably think it looks just about the same as any modern cartoon. Well, I think also it's because they don't know what to look for. Yeah, that's true. Like for us, like as adults, like one, we know we're more aware, but also we're just we know we're also more aware of the process behind it mm -hmm. so the mistakes are more obvious yeah yeah no i agree with that one thing that i do did realize re-watching a few of the episodes is that <laughs> they made a lot more sense as kids than they do now like there's one of them which is is it hassle in the castle which one's the one there's one of the episodes all right where they go where the gang goes and they're just like driving along and i think their van breaks down because that's usually what gets them stranded in places if that wasn't their destination in the first place and they're like all right we gotta go get some help hey look there's a castle over there let's go see if there's anyone home so they walk up to the castle and there's a vampire just there and they're like there's a vampire and then they go in and there's a werewolf and like frankenstein and like a bunch of monsters in the castle and it turns out it's just this random criminal who's been on the run who just happens to be good at disguises which they find out from an undercover like spy or like uh investigator person who is disguised as like a fortune teller on the side of the road <laughs> and as you're when you're a kid you're like oh no yeah, no that... also just to add another layer of confusion onto that the reason that guy knows that they found this this um criminal is because the groundskeeper who does not appear in that episode called him oh yeah that's right yeah so and that's like... not hassle in the castle by the way hassle in the castle is... is that the one with the ghost that's the one with the ghost yeah okay in a castle in a castle Obviously. i mean yeah there were a lot of castles in scooby-doo but yeah it's stuff like that it's like some of this stuff like comes out of left field i say or at least like scooby-doo really can get away with just throwing in something at the last minute and being and as a kid you're like yep yeah that's good as an adult you're like wait no who are these people <laughs> you you didn't tell me any of this how was i supposed to see this coming i mean yeah i agree it was like even watching modern scooby-doo adaptations i'm always paying attention because you know that the villain needs to be somebody that you've uh seen in the episode before so i'm always thinking okay who in the episode could this be but when you come across those one or two episodes every season where it's somebody you don't meet beforehand it's sort of just like what's the what was the point of that you know yeah. like <laughs> If I'm not able to guess who it is, then why even have this mystery at all? Yeah. I guess another thing that I thought was kind of funny is like they really do the whole like what you like like you were saying, Jack, like you know that one of the people that you met before is 
the monster or whatever. But you also know that one of the people you met before is the undercover cop. Because there were a lot of those in Scooby-Doo. Like, the person you thought was a villain, actually a pri- like an undercover investigator who's been tracking this criminal for months. And then just shows up at the end and arrests them. And it's funny because they do it a lot. It's not like it's a one-off thing. Yeah, now that you mention it, that, uh, that does seem to happen uh, many multiple times where it's like the groundskeeper was the was the undercover cop the whole time or like this is the dude in the suit of armor was actually an undercover cop the whole time i feel like there's definitely one or two episodes where the undercover cop just sort of comes out of nowhere like he was hiding in a bush the whole time or something i feel like i feel like that was something that happened another thing that i found interesting because when i was doing research for this episode you know i had to look up all the like which show was actually first because like when you're a kid it's just like oh scooby-doo scooby-doo but no there were like different series and aired on different channels and the history of scooby-doo is complicated like i didn't know that the season that curtis and i have on dvd which is that third season i'm talking about isn't actually the third season of the show but yeah one thing that surprised me was that it only ran for 25 episodes and then they i guess then then after that they did like um all-stars or laugh olympics or whatever it was and um the scooby-doo show because it became wildly successful i know we talked about how it's formula being part of the reason it was successful but another thing that i found interesting is that they made the original scooby-doo as part of a push to make non-violent cartoons because at this point superhero cartoons were the big thing and there was a push by parents and parent groups to have less violent shows on for kids. And so Scooby-Doo is one of the many um, ideas that was generated by this push for nonviolence, which I kind of think is odd that you replaced violence with the threat of supernatural monsters. Like, it doesn't feel like the superhero shows were any more or less... um, I don't want I don't know what the right word for it is. I want to say intimidating for children. But like you replace like a guy getting zapped with a ray gun with a giant wolf chasing a bunch of teenagers like I mean I'm just thinking about it. And it really comes back to fight or flight. That basic human reaction <laughs> that's what it appeals to. that's super- what it is the superhero cartoons appeal to the fight instincts scooby-doo appeals to the flight instinct yep <laughs> that's that's totally what it is nothing else it's just that very simple simple concept good to know there's a psychological explanation for it i mean i mean we already talked about the familiarity of the formula was part of its draw and now we know that it's actually our caveman instincts that also drew us to this show I guess I am surprised that, like, Scooby-Doo manages to stick around. Like, it still works even after 50 years. Yeah, they still got, they got a whole new series out right now, you know, just airing on TV. You know, it's similar, more similar to the new Scooby-Doo movies than they are to the, the uh, Scooby-Doo Where Are You series. But uh, it's still, it's still, keep, it's still just keeping on, you know, even when this series is uh, over, they're going to, pump out another one and they just keep going through it you know going and going and going yeah i mean never run out of mysteries yeah and it's not even like they need to run out of mysteries they can do the same thing over and over and over again just as long as they tweak the monster a bit and maybe the explanation 
but yeah, I just, I think it's so incredible that, I don't know, just such a, I mean, it's just such a normal concept now, but like, it's just incredible to me that it still works it, and it, and it hasn't stopped working. You'd think that like, cause some of the things that we see kids like today are not the things that we liked when we were kids, but Scooby-Doo remains. <laughs> Well, I think it's just because it is just a really simple premise of bad guys in masks and unmasking them. Yeah. And that's it. And really, that's timeless. Mm -hmm. Like you could have that. You could have that in the 1950s. You can have that in the 2000s. You can probably have that in the 3000s. Yeah, it will always be interesting to see what's under the mask. Anyway, I wanted to conclude today by asking you... um, Big part of Scooby Doo is getting away from monsters. And Shaggy and Scooby in particular are always the ones getting chased by the monsters. So um I just wanted to ask, what's your go to strategy for escaping a Scooby Doo villain? Other than run and hide, um Okay, it really depends on the, the environment. But uh you definitely gotta use it to your advantage. Just okay. You want to just give me, like, just an example? Just... Oh, I'll, I'll give you an example from, like, there's one episode in which they're in a prison. And they go and they dress up as guards. And they convince the monster that it is an inmate at the prison. And that the guards and are the, still there. Yeah, even the though the, the, the prison has been shut down yeah. for, like, 20 years. Nope, prison's still active and they are a prisoner. <laughs> and they order them to... I don't. I think it was like two jumping jacks, and then they they got away. So that's that's your strategy: make the monster do jumping jacks and jump and yes, my jack st- jump away. Yeah, my strat. No, my no. Well, that's the example. But my strategy is to um completely alter the monster's worldview, just and just, conception of reality, and use that to my advantage. Convince them that reality is 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 what you say it is and then use that to exactly control them this Give actually them a mental breakdown yeah no this is this gives this actually this is making me realize we this has some disturbing implications for the abilities of shaggy and scooby this is true this is something that they do a lot they're very easily able to convince a monster of something that really doesn't make sense because that's what I was going to say. I was just going to say distract him with food. Because that's another strategy that always seems to happen. Like Shaggy and Scooby like pretend to be hot dog vendors and make the monster a hot dog out of its own finger. They put the dog around the monster's finger. Well, they put com- the bun. Or the, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. They put the bun around the monster's finger, covered it in mayo, relish, and all that crap. And then convince the monster to take a bite. And somehow the monster or whoever's inside the... um. I think it's funny that we talk about them being a monster, even though we know it's not. I mean, they're criminals under there. They were the <laughs> we were the monster the entire time. Um, actually, no, I changed my strategy. My strategy is to walk up to the monster that's chasing me and just yank off the mask because nine times out of ten, <laughs> it's just a it's just like Jimmy, who's mad that he didn't get to sing in the band like uh tommy did and he was dressing up as a monster to scare tommy away from the production so that's what i'm doing i'm just gonna turn around i'm gonna stop running i'm gonna turn around waltz up to them and be like sup and then just take off the mask 
Yeah, but then you that that breaks the formula. Then you can't have the trap or Velma going around telling them what happened because she's obviously smarter than the rest of them. I will say, I am kind of like I I did one thing that I forgot about that I forgot to mention and talk about is just the roles that everyone serves. Like, what does Fred do? He drives the van, Thomas. <laughs> he drives. I guess he sets the traps. He's the sort leader. Of. He tells everybody to split up. He tells everyone to split up, and that's just about the end of his leadership. I guess, no, nah, that makes him, he makes a pretty good manager. He just tells everyone else what to do. Yeah, do he, 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 um, he, divide, he divides along the lines of work, and there's danger-prone Daphne, whose whole role is to get captured, I guess. She doesn't really do much. Well, yeah, no, she not in the series. the least no. role of the group. At least in the original series. In the later series, they gave her plenty to do. Jack, what about you? How are you getting away from a Scooby-Doo monster? I think the uh, answer is fairly simple in that you find a long hallway with multiple doors on either side. (laughs) And you just sort of run through and somehow you teleport to the other side. Or you teleport upwards or you teleport Teleport downwards. downwards, You even teleport teleport behind behind the monster monster themselves. And then suddenly you're the one chasing the monster. (laughs) And then they realize that they turn around and, <laughs> and it's it's all right back, back at it. You know, and there's some the, zany the music going escape. over it. I wonder who the, the Benny Hill theme going. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who the guy who came up with the hallway. What? Like, I wonder how that came to be. Was that just in an episode one day? And they're like, yeah, that works pretty well. And then that just became a staple. Or do you think that was always part of the formula to, or at least it became part of the formula? I don't know. And we didn't. We haven't even talked about the physics breaking bits of Scooby Doo. Cause like, yeah, sometimes they'll like jump into a drawer and then they'll like pop out in like a cabinet across the room. I have no idea how they got there, but they did. I mean, it's funny, but it's absurd. And I think if that's we went well, in depth on how often Scooby Doo breaks the laws of physics. We'd be here for like five hours. Yeah. I mean, but I think that's part of the appeal, some of the slapstick. Yeah, the slapstick is really part of it. And I think that one of the reasons that um, I think the old show is really entertaining is just because it's absolutely nuts. It makes no sense. And that's why it's still entertaining today because like, I, we watched a few episodes and there's one where Shaggy's um, hiding from people and he just transforms into a mailbox into the shape of a mailbox and walks forward. And it's the most disturbing thing I think I've ever seen in a uh, kid's cartoon. But it's also hilarious. And I think that's kind of why, like, the newer shows, it's like, they don't really work as well because they have to get more realistic. Like, they can't get away with that anymore. Any concluding thoughts on uh, this lovely show? Yeah, uh, my concluding thought is we, uh, we, we may need to devote an entire segment to uh, how much power Shaggy and Scooby actually have in their universe and what those consequences may be. Not only does Shaggy turn him, turn himself into the shape of a mailbox, he removes his legs entirely. He's just, he's just a stick. It's just his head sticking out of the mailbox and the rest of him is just, you know, just a brown mailbox, no legs, no arms, nothing. And like, Scooby can just transform his tail into a key. He does that in multiple episodes to pick locks. It's like, like do we do we see any of the other? Do we see any of the other gang members do that, or is it just Shaggy and Scooby? Yeah, it's just Shaggy and Scooby. 
Which makes me wonder if this is like some sort of, I don't know, like maybe it's not really happening. It's just that they're making up ways to uh, get in and out of plate of situations. They're making up, they're scared out of their minds, so they're making up zany uh, ways to escape. That or it's a or it's a kid show. And we need slaps and we need visual humor. And we humor. need visual humor. And they do provide a lot of visual humor. And it's lovely. All right, Jack, you got any uh, concluding thoughts? Uh, my concluding thought is that... Uh... Scrappy-Doo needs to be in more things. It's that's funny. My that's my concluding thought. That's your concluding thought. It's funny. I don't think I've ever... I've seen a few things with Scrappy-Doo, but, like, all of my um, Scooby-Doo watching came from the library, uh, my cousin's DVDs, and, like, a video rental store. And Scrappy-Doo was never a part of that. So every time anyone talks about Scrappy-Doo, which, granted, isn't a lot in my everyday life, but whenever it pops up, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's a character. I have no idea who that is. Don't forget about Scooby Dumb. Scooby Dumb. See, that one I do know because he was in one of the episodes my cousins have. Um, If I had to say anything to wrap this up. Yeah, I'm still just... It's still incredible to me that Scooby-Doo, even now, like 15 years after I first watched it, it still manages to be entertaining. Like I'm not watching it every night, but every once in a while and I see it, I'll see it on or like it's on Netflix or just, this is still just, it works for me. It still works. All right. Well, this has been a good talk, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for joining me, guys. Uh, This has been the Saturday Morning Couch Podcast. I'm Thomas. You've heard from Curtis and Jack. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next time where we talk about, I don't know, some other show with potentially uh, physics-breaking, reality-distorting characters in some way, shape, or form. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and uh, see you next time.